Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I am thrilled to be here tonight. Um, I want us to, to visit the subject of faith, if we may. Um, I love faith. The further you walk with God, the longer you walk with God, and the further you go with him, the more you realize faith is the absolute lifeline. It's the absolute, anything can be accomplished when you decide, I'm going to live by faith. And uh, I want us to, to first go to Samuel. I don't know how much we'll read here in 1 Samuel, but I want to make reference first to this story because we're going to get somewhere tonight. And uh, <clears throat> here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, it talks about David and the story of David and Goliath. Now, what such a simple, can seem like such a simple child story. With David and Goliath, David was a man of faith uh, when he was a young boy and he decided that it wasn't going to be determined, his age wasn't going to determine what he was going to do uh, for God and with his faith. And uh, when David, his dad sent him to go see his brothers, the Philistine had presented himself. Um, uh, the enemy armies were backing him. He had put his challenge out there of what he was expecting from the children of Israel. And nobody was meeting that challenge. Nobody was answering that challenge. Nobody uh, with their words or with their actions uh, were going to stand up to the Philistine, to the giant. Except for this one young man, David, and I love hearing, we won't, we don't, I don't have time to go through it all, but David, if you look at the story, if you go back and read it later, David answered three times. There was three times that he spoke what he believed regarding the situation. He's talked to his brothers, he talked to somebody, uh, those that were around his brothers, and then he went to Saul and he answered. And we know this, that in Mark 11, 23 and 24, it's three times that it talks about saying. And so David here, as a uh, uh, man under an old covenant with God, a young, a young man under the old covenant, he answered three times and he boldly spoke what he believed three times to be the truth. And then after he spoke it, he went out and he did something. And so I want us to look here and uh, look at verse 32. I love what he tells Saul. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. You know, really God was not looking for a man to fight in the way they were thinking about fighting. God was not looking, uh, all those men that were trembling, that were afraid, they were thinking fighting in one, in one way and one way only, in the natural. And if you approach your circumstances that are going to present themselves to you as giants, bigger, larger than life, uh, circumstances that you in the natural cannot uh, approach and defeat on your own, if you approach them natural, carnal, with reason, with your own understanding, with the flesh, with the emotion. Listen, my husband said this morning he was talking about 
um, uh, the natural carnal man. And uh, I've been teach, talking to our congregation, um, the closest thing I can get to a series. I thought I would have been, been imparted some kind of series anointing being here for so long. But um, I guess I've been with Pastor Nancy uh, too long that um, a series are difficult for us. But we do, I, I'm beginning to pick up themes. So the theme that we've had kind of this year is learning how to walk in the spirit and learning to identify uh, the natural carnal man, the ways of the flesh, the ways of the mind. And it talks about in Romans that the body has a mind of its own. You understand you've got a mind, which is your soul. The body, the, the, the human man is three parts, a mind, uh, a spirit, soul, and body, but the mind, and then your body, your flesh has a mind of its own. And people don't realize it talks about in Romans if you look there, I believe Romans chapter 12, that the body, uh, people don't recognize that when they don't put that body under, that mind that that body has begins to dominate. And my husband was talking about living righteous. And uh, many people, he said, you know, you go up to somebody and they're facing a situation and they're just hoping somebody asks, hoping somebody will pet them. And that they can explain how bad the situation is. So that, but then they'll, they'll tie it all up with, but believe God with me, sister and brother. You know, and uh, I, I, I believe in this statement, you can't use it and lose it. You know, you can't use something. You can't talk about the symptoms and say, well, I'm, you know, I'm sick. But don't you understand? You can't, you can't use your sickness and think about it and talk about it with the family and use it to miss work and use it uh, to dismiss yourself uh, from ministry of helps and use it to dismiss yourself from church and lose it at the same time. And so what my husband was saying this morning uh, with being righteous, you got to be right before God. And that means in every arena. So if you want to lose some things in your life, you can't keep using them with people, and then try to lose them before God. God, I thank you for all your provision. You meet all my needs. But you use it as an excuse to not give to missions. But you use it as an excuse why you won't increase your giving. And we've decided we're not using anything as an excuse. I refuse to use symptoms in my home. Uh, yeah, but you don't understand. You're the pastor. It doesn't matter. No symptoms going to stop us for our, from our obligations, from our commitments to the ministry, to the Bible school, to traveling. Every time my husband and I go travel on the road, one of our children, on the very first day, we get a call with a fever. We know it's coming. Some kind of fever, symptoms, something. Every time him and I go to preach on the road, that happens. What do we do? We stand there. We say, Father, in the name of Jesus, your healing power is going from the top of their head. If we have to, we'll have, go take them to, to, to Nanny's house. Go take them to Pastor Noel. Get somebody's hands laid on them because when that happens, the power of God is going to go in their body and they're going to be fine. And we're not coming home and don't call me again. I've had to do that. Don't call me again. My child will be fine, and they always are. Why? Because we're not going to use it and be able to lose it. I'm not going to sit on the phone texting during service. Well, how's my baby? How are they doing? Do they feel good? Let me give you the, the number to the pediatrician. My, listen, my daughter is almost two. She has yet to go to the doctor for any symptoms. Because I'm not going to use something as an excuse to dismiss us. 
you know? And so we have to, we've decided, even in, you've heard him talk about, even in our own finances. If there's one thing when God asks us to stretch our faith with our home, because it really wasn't just about the home, it was about the arena of faith that we needed to get to. The place of faith we had to get to, to be able to walk alongside his mom and be uh, uh, cooperating You know, he talked to you about the airplane. God had to do some drastic increase in our life for us to be able to get on the level to believe God for the things that she, the vision that she has for the ministry. And we were not going to leave her out there on that limb by herself. And so we had to make some decisions. Are we going to have her pull us along or are we going to be there holding up her arms so she can fulfill all that God has? And we made the decision. Well, with that comes uh, uncomfortable flesh. You know, uh, an uncertainty, the mind can't understand, the mind can't reason, the mind can't uh, grasp what's going on because it was so, we, uh, you know, he said this morning, you know, what happened with, um, with uh, when God looked to increase us, well, the bills went up. You know, we, we basically made our mountain, you know, Bible, Mark 11 talks about whoever says to the mountain, well, we decided we were going to make our mountain, but we were going to remove it at the same time. So we chose to face the mountain. And uh, in the midst of that, uh, choosing to face that mountain, the decision to increase, the decision to grow, the decision to move forward with a faith life, um, we had to decide and make some decisions. We weren't going to use that as an excuse to change our giving. And in fact, just to violate that, we increased everything. And so there's going to have to be times where you have to violate and so David here, he decided, I'm going to violate what that giant is speaking, the words that he's speaking. Your circumstance is going to speak to you. The situation's going to talk to you. And you have to decide whether or not you're going to violate it or use it. And violating it, it comes with some real consecration and dedication of the word. That's what he was saying this morning, Joshua 1.8. Meditate therein day and night. The children of Israel were never going to receive the promise that God had for them unless one man decided to be in the word day and night. You don't understand. When you make the decision and consecration to be in the word day and night, it's going to affect more than just you. It's going to affect the people sitting next to you, the people down the row, the people in the back, the people in the front. Your, your entire church family will be affected by whether or not you decide to stay in the word day and night. And Joshua was willing to make the sacrifice. Listen, Joshua stayed in faith. Joshua and Caleb stayed in faith for a full 40 years. 45 years. They stayed as men of God right before him, righteous and in faith. Amen. And uh, But we saw here, we see here in David, if you go back, he spoke seven times and he went out. Listen, God was not looking for someone to fight in the way that they were thinking. He was looking for someone who would look to him and agree with what he was already going to do. And he found a man with David. And the key to that is, and I told our congregation, David had already spent time in worship, time in praise, all those years before tending to the sheep. He understood and fellowship with God and understood who God was. You can't move forward in faith if you don't know who God is. And the only way you know who God is is through his word and times of fellowship. Amen. 
And uh, your words of confession, David wasn't looking to get something from God. He wasn't looking to confess. Many people think confession is to get something from God. Well, I've got to confess, I've got to confess, I've got to confess so I can get what I need from God. Confession is simply an expression of your agreement with God. It's an expression of how I agree with the word that I heard. I agree with what the pastor's teaching me. I agree uh, with uh, what he's saying about my body. I agree with what he says about my family. I agree with what he says about my finances. Confession is not to get something. It's to express your agreement. And so David was just simply, every time he answered, he was expressing his agreement with God. And... uh, when, uh, when I express, you know, when I, I, if I were to say to my husband, I love you, that's an expression, not always of how I feel, but it's an expression of my covenant with him. And that's what we have to understand. Write confession. Many people write confession. They legalize it. And they think they've got to confess to get something from God. But confession is your agreement and your expression of your covenant with God. Because faith pleases God. So when you speak the word of God, when you speak what you believe that he's doing, you're expressing faith to him. And that's pleasing to him. When I say to my husband, I love you, whether I feel like it or not, And when you say, uh, my God supplies all my needs, I thank you, Father, all the money comes, your healing power is working in my body, and you begin to express your agreement with God, whether you feel like it or not, you're holding up your end of the covenant. Your end of the covenant is faith. His end is already completed. Amen. I'm not waiting to get something from God or have God do something. But I'm here to hold up my end of the covenant. My end is faith. My end is sowing. My end is speaking. My end is actions. My part of the covenant is not yet fulfilled, but his is. And so just as I say to my husband, I love you, or I maybe will go buy him candy. My husband loves candy. Uh if I, if I were to ask him, would you like me to uh, fix you a good meal? Every once in a while, he'll agree to that. But if I were to say, you got to pick between, you know, sour patch, watermelon sour patches, I can either stop and pick some of those up or come home and fix you a good meal. More than likely, I'll get pick me up the watermelon, you know, sour patch candies, and I'll eat a bowl of cereal for supper. <laughs> You know, and so what is that? An action of my covenant, of my love for him. I maybe don't feel like it, but I do it. There's so many times uh, in the natural, and this is what I was talking to our congregation. If you don't get your feelings and your emotions under control, it's going to be very difficult to walk with God. Because you will begin to respond to circumstances and situations out of your feelings and emotions. Identify. And that's what he's been talking about, righteousness to our, uh, back home to our congregation. I've been talking about the feelings, the emotion, the natural man. The natural man will never be able to receive a miracle from God. But the spirit man can receive everything that one needs. Amen. And so uh, getting those feelings, getting those emotions, God cannot uh, bring to you all that he's provided for you in your covenant if you live out of that natural carnal man. The spirit man is the one that expresses faith, whether you feel like it or not. Amen. And uh, God did his part. Uh, Jesus spent 
his earthly ministry, training his disciples in faith. And uh, he lived righteousness. We've been talking about that. He lived righteousness, but he did faith. So he lived righteousness before his disciples, but Jesus did faith. He showed them how to walk and how to act and how to speak by faith. And so he would rebuke them because they weren't acting in faith. They weren't following his example. And so we know this with the word of God in front of us. It's expected of us that we live, we walk, we act, we think according and in line with faith. And when we don't, we shouldn't get offended when God brings the instruction and brings the correction. And we see, and I'm so thankful uh, that I have somebody, I'm married to somebody that is so humble. Like he said, uh, I received my correction from God that I was coming to my wife and expressing things that the devil was talking to me about. And it was just in casual conversation. Hey, I'm facing this. I'm facing that. And, uh, and he said, God corrected him. Yeah, but you're talking about it and it's turning into complaining and it's leading to doubt and unbelief. That was how he said, notice the complaining leads to doubt and unbelief. You can't use it and lose it at the same time. He couldn't use those things that the devil was talking to him about and the opposition that was coming to us regarding, you know, some of the things, the finances and the things that we had made the decision to walk into. And so God wasn't going to be able to change some things or bring some things into manifestation if he was going to continue. Young people, you better marry somebody that knows and wants to walk in faith with you because this, well, they treat me good. That doesn't last when the bills need to be paid the kids are sick. It done, it done, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> you, think they, that, you think their attention and their love and their affection feels good now? This goes for anybody who's not married. You think that feels good now? It's not going to feel good when you wake up in the middle of the night and every devil in hell is sitting in your room. And they panic and want to go see a psychiatrist. And you're wanting to go to church And they've got mental problems. I'm just telling you scenarios I've seen just as a pastor in the last, you know, being in the ministry for over 11 years and pastoring now for, you know, close to four four years, co-pastoring and then now pastoring, having people come in my office faced with every opposition and their spouse refuses to go with them, refuses to get into agreement. Yeah, but they love me and they're good to me. Listen, my husband was not, if I can say this so graciously, if I were to go by, my husband treated me so good, we would have never got married. (laughs) Um, So if you want to go by that, I always say the rougher the start, the better the finish. And uh, I tell our Bible school, single Bible school students, sometimes, in fact, we've got one couple that just got married last year. And I tell you what, they could not stand each other in Bible school. And it took for them to get out of Bible school, both go to their respective, back to their respective churches. And now they're married, fulfilling the will of God in the ministry. And I tell those young Bible school students, that person that you just think you loathe and can't stand just might be the one that is going to help and be your blessing. Why? Because we want people that make us feel good. We want people that pet our emotions. We want people that are going to cater to the flesh man, the carnal man. That's not faith. 
And that'll hurt your faith. It'll cripple your faith. Amen. And uh, I want us to go, because I don't want us to stop quite there yet. Um, I want to look at... uh, Listen, when you learn to respond only to the voice of your spirit, as my husband was saying this morning, the voice of faith can reach further. If you respond to other things, if you respond, if you're one to quick, be quick and respond to your flesh, you know, somebody cuts you off, somebody, uh, the line at the grocery store is taking too long because the lady's moving too slow and your first response is, good gosh, Why don't she move along? They need to get somebody quicker. I'm in a hurry. Don't they know I have? And your mind is just racing. And you let your emotions, every time somebody does you wrong, your emotions get the best of you. Your feelings get hurt easy. Somebody's easily, you're easily offended at what somebody says to you. The voice of faith, when it comes out of your mouth, it's not going to go very far. You learn to live out of the voice with the voice of your spirit dominating that, that conscience. Let your conscience be your guide. The quicker you are to respond to your conscience, the quicker the manifestation can come because the fur- further your voice of faith is going to be able to reach. And so people wonder why they're confessing, but they're living out of the wrong arena. Well, I'm confessing the right thing, but what arena are you living out of? Who are you fellowshipping with? Where are you going on Friday night? Who are you spending your time with on the phone? Who do you call whenever a need arises? All these things affect because is who you're calling and who you're fellowshipping with catering to the outward man? If there's one thing uh, Smith Wigglesworth understood, it's that this natural carnal man would benefit him nothing. Amen. Because he put his flesh down, other people's was raised from the dead. Amen. So uh, we can see here, go to Psalms. I want us to look at Psalms 126 real quick because I want to look at this in twofold. Psalms 126, verse 1. And it said, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. And they said among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. They were thrilled and excited when God turned their captivity. They were so thrilled that they were filled with joy, their mouth with laughter. They were singing and rejoicing. And what happens is, is when you live by your emotions, you're waiting for God, the manifestation before something joyful comes out of your mouth. You have to understand they were under the old covenant. They were living. And if you look at this carefully, it's talking about when God turned their captivity. But what happened after they, God turned their captivity? They got in the wilderness And they saw the giants in the promised land, and ain't nobody rejoicing, nobody laughing. Why? Because the circumstance began to talk to them. The situation began to scream louder. The giants that were in the land where God had promised them began to talk to them. What has God promised you? Don't look at how the impossibilities, don't look at the need, don't look at, don't listen to the symptoms. Well, how do you do that? You listen to the word far more. 
You feed on the word far more. The voice of the word has to be louder. If it means you play that word all night long. There, there was a time when we needed a miracle for our home. And the bank, uh, the uh, we had signed a year, a lease option to buy for a year. And we told them in a year, we're going to buy this thing. And they came. And in the month of January, uh, we were about to have our Holy Ghost meetings. They came and they put a notice on our gate that the owners wanted the home back. They were taking back their offer. And on February 21st, when this lease option is up, they wanted to move in at midnight. Thank God for laws. They couldn't do that. There's laws in the state of California, but we didn't know that at the time. And all we know is the realtor came knocking at our door. They want the house back. Well, they, we found out later they began to have financial difficulties. Well, I wonder who caused their financial difficulties. And we knew the devil had disrupted. They had good jobs. They had a lot of money. There was no reason for them to need to ha- want that house back. And, and to say they needed it back. But we knew this in the meantime, in that year, the devil disrupted their financial situation so that they were going to be able to transfer the pressure to us. And so we faced, uh, we needed a miracle. We had a month to get a loan and we had absolutely no money. Uh, we needed a loan for a million dollar home and we had no money. And I tell you what, it came down to for three weeks, I spent on the phone with every bank, every, we had, uh, I had a loan guy working for us. He was working. Um, I was on the phone from 8 a.m. till sometimes 8 p.m. at night, uh, still running the household, still taking care of the kids, still teaching in the Bible school. I'd get out of the class. I'd make a phone call. I'd go back in class. We were living uh, by faith every single moment of every single day because there was no way in the natural that we could have done anything. And so when it came down to it, that uh, uh, last, we had about five days left before the 21st. The 21st uh, technically kicked over to a Tuesday because the 21st was a Monday and it was a holiday. So that Friday, there was a man who told us he could get us a loan, but he said he wasn't going to do it. He told a lady in our church, I'm not going to do it. And he called her that Friday and he said, I changed my mind. I'll get him the loan. In five days, we had a loan put together by a man who's unsaved. He called everybody in on the weekend, paid everybody else extra on our behalf, and got us a loan. And we got it closed within two weeks. According to the law state of California, we had an extra five days. We used every single bit. We had absolutely, uh, we had about 30 minutes left legally when everything funded. God worked us a miracle. But if we had not been taught, I'm talking about in this church, had I not been taught, had my husband not been taught, had we not demonstrated it when his dad went home, had we lived, learned to live out of our emotions and out of our feelings instead of by faith and not being moved by the circumstance, there's no way God could have worked us a miracle because we would have crumbled weeks before. That man even said, I can take care of it. What were we doing? The devil kept bringing us. No, no. Every day I had bad news for him. Every day. And that's not a bad confession. That's just the fact. Every day he would say, what do you got for me? And I'd say, well, this is what the circumstance says. This is the no we got today. And every day we'd go to bed worshiping. We'd sleep good. We'd get up praising God, rejoicing. When you couldn't see the outcome. We didn't know the outcome. I didn't know how God was going to do it. 
David didn't know. You understand that rock didn't kill that Philistine. The power of God did. And many people focus on, he just had one small little pebble. No, wait a second. He had the entire power of heaven backing him up because he stayed in agreement. Our job with our home to see that miracle was to stay in agreement. But if we had learned to live and nobody knew, none of our staff knew anything. In fact, we have a gal that uh, uh, lives with us and we've got an apartment on the property. We've got another couple that's on staff that lives in the apartment. Neither one of them till two days before it closed, knew anything that was going on. They had not a clue, and we weren't about to tell them because it's not their, it's not their faith battle to show up to. It was ours. Stop trying to invite people to your faith party and your faith battle because it's only going to hinder you. It's going to weaken you. And they're not called to that. They're called to live their own, uh, to, to run their own race. Amen. And uh, so when you learn to respond, what we had to do was every day I had to hear from the voice of God. Every day I had to get fresh, we could say fresh revelation out of his word. And uh, that carried over uh, to living in the home. Now we're, we face, we've got other things that we're facing. God's just taken us on this faith journey that has accelerated us. I told him, I said, I, I feel like a 55-year-old in a 32-year-old body. We're moving so fast. But when we got in, then the devil started bringing other things. He came to me one day. He said, the trees are dying. I said, the trees are dying? What are you talking about the trees are dying? We live in California. We had rain all winter, and these are desert trees. How are they dying? I don't know. The trees are dying. He, we had one, uh, one palm tree that died, and we're talking about palm trees that take years and years, 10 years to, to grow to where they were. And he said, I've been looking at him too long. I need you to come talk to the tree. <laughs> you know when you've been looking at something for so long, you know, and, and you, you, you've tried to, he did everything. He said there were gophers. He took care of the gophers. He, did, he said, I've done everything I know to do in the natural. Now come talk to the tree. I said, all right, let's go, kids. We're going to talk to the tree. So I walked out there, spoke to the tree, and he had shown me where it was dying. You know, and all it was was God, the devil was using that. Look at this. You got in this house and you can't even maintain it. Everything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this, this property. We've got four acres. I'm going to take this property and just destroy it. He was talking to him. He was talking to me. Oh, you might have got your miracle, but now what are you going to do? Now you need more money and I'm going to make everything else worse so you don't have the money to fix it. You know, because that's what we're thinking. Well, <clears throat> we don't have money in the bank account. Go buy a new tree. So I said, I don't need money to go buy the tree when I got my words. My faith spins. And so we walked out. We talked to that tree. You could see it was coming up. You know, the ones that had grown out were brown as a palm tree. They were already brown. I said, I, I talked to the thing. I said, don't you go back to that tree. Don't you go back and look at that tree. And I said, I'm not going to go back. Three months later, I believe it was about two and a half, three months later, I called him. I said, what was going on with that tree? Completely forgot about the tree. I'm looking out my bathroom window trying to see that tree. He goes, it's completely alive. Everything's growing out green. Completely turned. And I said, yeah, because the devil thought that just because we got our miracle that we were going to relax with our faith. We're not going to relax with our faith. You keep pushing forward. But feelings will try to get you to go backwards. Well, I don't feel like anything's working. I don't feel like the money's coming. I don't feel like the symptoms are being taken care of. See, the words of your mouth are to violate the feelings that go on in your body. 
it's keeping your agreement, your side of the covenant with God. Amen? Uh, God's not moved by what you see. And trusting God is where what you need is nowhere to be seen. People think, well, I'm trusting God, but see, they see their paycheck coming in. They see a deal that's about to go, oh, I'm trusting God. Listen, trusting God is where what you need is nowhere to be found. It wasn't the stone that killed the giant. God had already turned that, that situation. As soon as David expressed his agreement, that's when God turned it. And so the children we read here in the, uh, he said, God turned their captivity. Well, God, yeah, he, they rejoiced when he turned it. But when they got into the promised land, notice the way things switched. God expected them to rejoice and praise before it was turned. So now under the covenant that we have, God is expecting us to express our faith, express not our feelings, not our emotions, not what we can figure out. He's expecting us to express our faith before anything manifests in the natural because he's already turned it under our covenant. God had to do things for them. God had to, his part of fulfilling the covenant was every step they made, he had to do something. But we see when they entered that promised land, which the promised land represents the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It represents prosperity, healing, everything God's provided. And when they got in that promised land, that's, that's why Moses couldn't go. You understand, we all know that story. Moses, he went to the rock and God said, speak, but he used what he used to use, the rod, and he struck it. Because God understood the example was under the new covenant, it's going to be your words, it's going to be your rejoicing. And so the first battle that they had to fight was going to be one with words. On the seventh day, they, they raised the horns, they lifted their voice, and they shouted, don't wait. The, the moment that you decide, I'm going to praise, I'm going to rejoice, I'm going to get into joy, the moment you decide that, that thing is turned. It's not when the manifestation happens. And people think, well, my, they want to come up and we want testimonies, but don't, don't mistake giving your testimony that God turned it when the manifestation happened. The manifestation is only a representative, representation of what he's already done. Amen? And so uh, I put on, I was telling the congregation, I put on, you know, those virtual glasses, you know, where you see and you see people going, you know, like this, but they've got those glasses on. That's what living by the Spirit does. You begin to see things through the God's, God's vision, through God has. And, you know, in those virtual reality, you know, those glasses, you can grab, you know, you can grab things, you can see things. That's what happens when you live full of the Spirit and according to your conscience. You can grab things with your spirit, man, that's your carnal, natural mind. And your flesh is never going to be able to grab hold of. And uh, we create words and your agreement with God for all eternity. I was reading um, the, the book. We have a book that we got to our congregation called My Time in Heaven. And I, I was reading one day and it was this man. He had gotten out of the will of God, this pastor. And he talked about he had gotten out of the will of God and he had a car accident. He went to heaven. And it is wonderful. And he talked about these women that were sitting there uh, making clothing. And they weren't making it with their hands. They were speaking. And as they spoke, and th this clothing was for those that were going to be coming to heaven. They hadn't arrived yet. And I told our congregation, you see, ministry of helps, it never ends. You've got everyone up there. <laughs> They're all preparing. So if you don't want to serve now in the church, you're going to have a real hard time when you get to heaven. 
very difficult because everybody's preparing for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Everybody has a task. Everybody has a duty. He talked about the men that were still in the streets preaching, the great men of faith that we know today. He saw them all. They were all preaching. They were all doing what they were doing here on earth. And so if you're doing nothing for your local church here on earth, people aren't going to recognize you when you get to heaven because you're going to be doing something. But these women, they were, they were making clothes. They were, uh, they were uh, he saw one woman was making a tapestry. And he said what they were doing is they were speaking what they want, that thread to do. And what the, the, uh, the tapestry, what picture it, they wanted it to make. And I told my husband, I read to him, I said, you see, the words that they speak are still forming what they want. And I said, my words are speaking into existence the loan that I need. Listen, by faith, living by faith, and operating by faith, it doesn't stop here on earth. It just simply carries over. Everything that you decide you're going to do for God here on earth, it's going to carry over to the, next, to the next realm. And I said, they're still using their words to bring to pass what they want. And I said, here on this earth, I will use my words. God, I commit to not wait till I get to heaven to where I realize my words can bring to pass all that you provided for me. I will use my words here on this earth. And so I thank him every day. Father, I thank you. All the money comes. I thank you that our family is fulfilling the full plan that you have for us. I'm taking my words, and I, just as those women form their clothes, I'm forming our future. I'm changing what our bank account looks like. I'm changing uh, what our family, how our fi- family dynamic works. I'm forming my children's future with my words. But see, that doesn't end here on earth. It's just to train us for the next life to come. Amen. Learn to live by faith now. It'll make the transition a lot easier. Uh, Peter, we can look at Peter. He talked about Peter walking on the water. Peter walked on the water. You understand Peter was not walking um, simply on the water. Peter was walking on Jesus' word. And many people magnified, Peter walked on the water. Peter walked on, I can do anything. Peter walked on the water. You can't do anything if you don't learn to walk on his word. Peter walked on Jesus' word. It was about the word that Jesus spoke. He said, come. That's what that, uh, in fact, let's go over there real quick. I want to go to John, John chapter 4. Because there's a man who wasn't even a disciple and he walked on Jesus' word. Just so you say, well, Peter was a disciple, and he was with Jesus all the time, and he was seeing miracles all the time. Well, I love the story of this man, John 4, 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went into him. And besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said unto him, Except ye signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. See, Jesus had been so used to people needing to see a sign before they believe. And he said, What, you need to see a sign too? And he said, Jesus, just come heal my boy. 
And what did Jesus say to him? Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going, his servant met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever had left him. And so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. At the same hour that Jesus spoke the word and he turned, I believe this, when Jesus spoke the word and that man turned around to go the other way, right then his son was healed. It was when that man took that word that he spoke and then he turned around. He didn't wait. He didn't loiter. He didn't look for something else. He just turned around and went the other way. At that moment, you have to recognize your situation turns. The moment you get the word from God that's confirmed in your spirit and you make an action of faith, that thing turns. It turns. It turns. Don't look for it to turn. It turns. It's all in how you see it. It's all in those, uh, those spiritual glasses those virtual reality, they just took what was something that was spiritual and put it in the natural. Virtual reality is how I live my life. When it seems virtually impossible, my words bring it all to pass. Impossibilities thrill us like they've never thrilled us before. Amen. And so we see this man, as soon as Jesus spoke the word, Peter walked on Jesus' word. This man went home on Jesus' word. His son was healed. God is seen. You want God to be seen in you? God is seen when you don't walk by sight. That's when God's seen. God is, uh, listen, faith is worth anything that one can desire in life. It's worth anything that you can so desire. That's what your faith is worth. You have to decide. What do, do I desire to be whole? Do I desire health? Am I tired of paying bills, medical bills? Am I tired of going to the doctor? Then what's your faith worth? It's worth your health. It's worth having money in your account. It's worth being able to have money, not for you, us four no more, but being able to be a blessing. It's worth funding the gospel. My faith is worth funding so somebody else can be ministered to. Amen. And uh, we saw... A wonderful thing when we decided to take on this step of faith with our home, we saw our in, in, income increase because the supply had to come. So our income, no raises. Again, it's true. We haven't had a raise since I don't remember the last time really. It was 2006, 2000. I think maybe I got one in like 2008. But it's, you're not worth as much. <laughs> Uh, we know who was the favorite. We know who's the favorite. Um, and there was, there was purpose to that. God had a plan with that. But our income increased, so what happened? Our tithe increased. And then we increased our building fund. And then we increased to our uh, uh, Dufresne Ministries. We're a partner with our own ministries. Listen, if we can't partner, why would we expect other people to partner? <laughs> We increased our partnership. We increased our personal giving to his mom. We increased everything. Because if the income goes up, the giving goes up. If you'll learn that you're part of the covenant, if you'll, I'm talking about with finances. If you'll learn that you're part of the covenant with finances is sowing and God will bring the rest, 
He's provided the rest, but he'll see to it that you get it. My part is the giving. And most people miss that. Your part is just to be generous. So pastor was talking about this morning. That's my part. And I'm not going to miss my part because something else is talking to me. And people miss their part because they let something else talk to them, speak to them, speak louder. It's like that Philistine. And it was like those waves talking to Peter, that Philistine talking to the children of Israel. I'm not letting a giant, I'm not letting waves, I'm not letting a building, I'm not letting lack of income. I'm not letting anything in the natural talk to me over and above what my father has said to me. Amen. It's a, it's a, it's a definite decision that you make when you decide to live by faith. Faith is worth anything that one can desire. Faith is the gate, gateway to all things that we desire. God's not asking you, I, I was, um, we were talking about this this week, and we've seen a little bit every month uh, God bring in provision and work for us like we've never seen him. He didn't ask us, and I, I recognize this, he did not ask us to move the whole mountain at one time. He's not asking you to move that whole mountain. Many people approach the mountain and think, God's asking me to move this whole thing at one time. And they see the whole thing. When every day when you get up and speak the word of God, you're taken out little bit by little bit, little bit by little bit. That mountain will come down and you don't have to see it all move at once. God never asked for that whole mountain to move at once. And we have seen God faithfully take chunks here and there, chunks out of that mountain with his power. Because we kept our part of the covenant, our agreement with him. We kept our words right. We expressed our agreement. Agreement is not mental. If I never said to my husband, I love you, <clears throat> won't you think, don't you think he would question our covenant and my commitment to that covenant? If you're only thinking about how wonderful God is and you never rejoice, you never shout, you never praise him, you never run, you never dance, you never get into peace, don't you think God would be wondering <clears throat> Well, do they really trust that I did my part of the covenant? Do they really believe that I'm their provider, their healer, their shepherd, that I'm going to take care of them? You've got to uphold your part through your expression. <clears throat> so people wonder, uh, well, how do I, because I've had somebody sit in my office, well, I've done everything I know to do. How many times have you heard that, Pastor? I've done everything I know to do, and it's still not working. We've been there. You want to go in. You want to go into the closet. And listen, I've been there paying bills when I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry. I wanted to give God the what for. You bring, just like the children of Israel, you brought us here to not have anything. You brought us here. And I tell you, though, my spirit man wouldn't let me. Something on the inside rises up. The joy rises up. How do you know if you can say I've done everything? If you're not in joy, you have not done everything. If you come and you cry to the pastor, if you cry to somebody in the congregation, I've done everything then you're not in joy and you have got more to do. And that pressure, it comes, the devil comes to steal the joy, the rejoicing. He comes to steal your expressions of faith. 
That's why he, the devil's not opposing circumstances in your life just to bring you problems. He wants to steal the pleasure of the father. And the pleasure of the father is you living by faith. He's trying to hurt the father. But he's wanting to steal your expressions of agreement, the rejoicing, the shouting, the praising, the worshiping. He's trying to steal what's coming out of your mouth and begin to put it on the, the circumstance, the situation. Talk about something else. You know, it's like a pool. When you fill up uh, uh, a pool with water, what happens? Then the pressure on the inside pushes out on the pressure on the outside. But if you empty that pool, they tell you don't, don't leave one empty. Or especially those, you know, above ground pools, what happens? You pull that water out and everything collapses. You get uh, filled up with the word of God. You get filled up with praise and rejoicing and your expressions of agreement. All that pressure that's coming on the outside, that expression of praise and rejoicing and agreement is going to push back, keep the walls up, and everything's going to be all right. So if you're not full of joy, if you're not rejoicing, then you haven't done everything. Amen. And so we've been trying to get uh, our congregation and, and as we go preach places to get people to understand, don't live unrighteous. Don't live according to the natural man. Don't live according to your feelings because it's going to hurt your faith. Keep your agreement with God. Stay in joy. The fullness of joy and when you do, it's that fullness, that pressure on the inside puts pressure on what's on the outside. Amen. You haven't done it everything. Listen, if you haven't, well, let me just say this. Where did I write this down? Joy is what you do when people are looking and joy is what you do when people aren't looking. Joy is what you do when people are listening, and joy is what you do when people aren't listening. If you have not, the, the other day I was sitting there, and we had um, a service, and I'd come home to change before the service, and uh, it, was a, it was a midweek service, and I, was, um, I had to change, eat. I don't even remember who was preaching that night. Oh, Grant. I had Grant, because I get to do that now. I get to tell people when they get to preach mainly Stephen and Grant, um, he tells me all the time, you're not my pastor. <laughs> I said, no, but you do live with me. So uh, I told him, I said, Grant, you're preaching tonight. I came home, and I'm sitting at the table, and, you know, the pressure of the situation is sitting there. And you got, you got Christmas coming up. You've got uh, ministry things coming up. You've got all these things, all these arenas. You know, we're uh, believing God. We're thanking God for the things for, for that we need for the ministry, for us personal, for his mom. We're going through all this stuff, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm going, God, you know, am I missing it somewhere? You know, you just ask yourself, like he said, am I missing it somewhere? I want to I listen to you and tune in in case I've missed it somewhere. And I was listening to Brother Hagen, and right after I said, am I missing it somewhere, the power of God hit me. It hit me so hard, the food fell out of my mouth. And I laughed, 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 and I couldn't stop laughing. And I got up, I ran in, I grabbed, I just saw myself run in, grab our bills, wave them in the air, and laugh and dance and rejoice. And I said, God, I got it. I got it. I got it. Because faith is what you do when people are looking, and faith is what you do when people aren't looking. Joy is what you uh, say when people are listening, and it's what 
you say when you're, they're not listening. You can't have joy, uh, a presentation of joy and a joy service and then go home and say something else. You're caving in. That pressure is going to cause you to cave in. And so uh, I realize, and I want to go to one last scripture. I'm trying to, I don't even know what time I started. I'm going to go to, okay, let's go to Romans chapter 5. Listen, faith doesn't ponder. It pushes back. Many people are pondering about their situation instead of pushing back at it. You know how you push back? You get full of joy. You start praising God. That's how they push back at that first, uh, that first obstacle when they came into the promised land. They rejoiced. Joy came out of their mouth. Look here. I better go there myself. Romans. I love this passage. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. In verse 2, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Uh, honey, can I have your um, amplified? I want to read this because it doesn't do it justice unless you read it. Thank you. Thank you. Through him also we have our access, entrance and introduction by faith into this grace, state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely stand. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Moreover, let us also be full of joy now, exclamation mark. Let us be, if you don't have the Amplified, that's what I'm telling you what it says. Uh, let us be full of joy now, exclamation mark. And I looked up this definition of exult. I said, well, we don't use that, Lord. I'm going to look that up. And I pulled it up, and I was so blessed to see what I got to do. The definition, so it says here, through him we have our access Let's see, and let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the pressure and affliction and hardship produce patience and unswerving endurance. So he said, let us exult in our troubles. Uh, the definition of exult is to show or feel elation or jubilation, especially as the result of his success. So he said, when the troubles come, you better show some feeling and excitement and expression as the result of his success. When the test comes, when the pressure comes, you are authorized to show feeling and expression and words and rejoicing as the result of his success. The manifestation of success doesn't have to come for me to act like success is already here. Success is already present as long as I keep my agreement with God. Listen, you live, the destination for those who live by feeling is failure. The destination for those that live by their feelings is failure. I refuse to live by that feeling of pressure. I refuse to live according to the tribulation, to the trials, to those things that come. I'm going to push back. I'm going to be in joy now. I'm going to keep my agreement with my words now. Amen. And it says here that I'm authorized to show expression, elation as a feeling of success. 
even when it doesn't look like any success is anywhere in sight because God gets the most glory when I live according to what he sees and not what I see. Amen. The angels are working. The power of God is working in your body as long as you keep your agreement. When you drop your agreement, then his power can't continue. But when you keep your agreement at all odds, regardless of what, and I'm here to tell you, we saw a miracle. God worked a miracle for us this year. He worked a miracle. I don't know how many people have gotten a loan in five days and had a man call and say, I want to give them a loan. That same man is working on another loan for us just because he likes us and he's never met us. Never met us, never talked to us on the phone. He's only worked with us through a lady that goes to our church. And he wants to give us another loan. I said, praise the Lord, the favor of God. Every time I rejoice, it just keeps working for me. Every time I praise him, it keeps working for me. Amen. It's a decision that you make to be in joy now. It's a decision that you make to rejoice when the pressure's on. Fill that, fill yourself up with praise and worship and spending time with God, with the word of God. Fill yourself up so that your pool don't collapse. <laughs> Amen? That the pressure on the inside, every, nobody likes a collapse pool. You can't use it. God can't use the collapse man or woman of faith. Somebody whose faith has fallen in on itself. And when you recognize that when we see some of these men in the Bible, what they did, they were what David walked on God's words. Peter walked on Jesus' words. The nobleman walked on Jesus' words. You're authorized to simply walk on his word. Amen. Well, praise God. Go ahead and stand with me to your feet. You know, joy, well, sister, and we've heard, I've heard some, somebody say this to me, uh, more than one person, I should say. I don't feel joy. You know, that's just not my personality. That's just not me. And I love this example. Here, I'll give you your iPad back. I love this example. And uh, if I were to come up, come here, come here, Brother Steve. Take, can you take your jacket off? Is it appropriate? I mean, are you, I mean, are you appropriate? To, okay. Well, I'm taking his jacket off and he's got a hole in his armpit or something. <laughs> if, if he were to stand here and say, man, I'm cold. I'm cold. Say, Brother, well, I got a jacket. Put on. No. I'm cold. I'm going to be cold. It's just how I feel right now. I'm a, I got a jacket for you. Put, put on the jacket, brother. No, I'm going to be cold. You know, that's what people do. And they say, well, I'm just, that's just not my personality. Yeah, but you're also broke and sick and struggling financially and struggling with your family. And God's saying, if you just put on joy as if you had already had success, yeah, but that's just not me. That's just not, that's just, that's not the way I am. Well, if you put it on, you'd become it. You know, if he puts on the jacket, what happens? He goes from being cold to being warm. If you just put it on when you don't feel like it and when it, nothing changes, you'll find that what you thought wasn't you, you become. You become a joyful person. You become a rejoicing person. You become a person of expression of faith. Put it on when you don't feel like it and turn your feelings into the word of God. 
Amen. I want my feelings every day to speak to me about the word of God because I say so. Amen. Because I'm feeling through the eyes of faith, not feeling through the eyes of my flesh. Amen. I'm perceiving everything through his word, not through my body, not through my reasoning. Amen. So if you say, well, it's just not me. Pastor, it's just not me. That's just, that's just not, I just stand here. Well, you can go ahead and stand there. But if you put on joy, if you learn to rejoice, if you learn to shout, if you learn to run, if you learn uh, here at home on the job, don't be weird. But you can rejoice under your breath. Father, I thank you. We've got a wonderful testimony of a couple in our church. In fact, she's on staff. They moved from another state, came out, lived in a hotel with four kids for three weeks because God told them to move to California so the husband and one of the sons could go to the Bible school. They, uh, he didn't have a job, spent three weeks looking for a job, found a job. Uh, they finally found a, uh, lived in an apartment. They just bought, this was three years ago, they just bought their home, their first home, after only three years. And he, he called his wife. They've got a huge testimony with that. He called his wife and he said they're making layoffs again at the job. They had already laid him off last year, but missing so much, they hired him back. Because they realized he was such a good worker. And he called his wife. He said, they're making layoffs. They just laid a man off. 20 years he had been there. They gave him a severance package and they said, you're done. Uh, fired two more guys in his, uh, uh, in his shift. And uh, he's not even, he's a machinist. He's not even at the highest level that he, that he you know, could be. He's a good, very good machinist, but he doesn't have, I don't believe he has the title yet of master machinist. And so he called his wife. She was at the office, um, and and he said, uh, you know what that means? He said, I'm getting a raise. (laughs) And sure enough, he called her back two hours later. They gave him a raise, gave him the title of master machinist, and said, we'll never get rid of you. Why? Because he decided when everybody else was being called in to say what he believed was going to happen. When the pressure showed up, and you know the pressure was there. You know the devil was talking to him as he was continuing with his work. He decided, I'm going to say what, what the end result of this situation is going to be. Amen? And praise God, it happened exactly as he said, and more. Amen. So uh, I would encourage you tonight, don't let go of your agreement with God. And if you're struggling with your agreement with God, go home and spend some time getting filled up on his word and rejoicing when nobody hears you. Rejoicing and praising when nobody's looking, husbands and wives, if you can, rejoice together. Get thrilled together. Talk about what God's doing. No matter what you see or what you don't see, talk about what God's doing for you. Talk about the revival that's taking place in this church. Well, when are we going to see it happen? Listen, it's already happening if you decide. It's a decision. Everything with faith is is a decision. Everything these men faced, David, Paul, the nobleman, everything they faced was a decision. Amen. Praise God. I choose to make my decision to stay in faith and to keep my agreement. My part of the covenant will be fulfilled. And I will be able to see him and he'll say, you fulfilled your part. You did your part. Because I let, let me tell you, I can't make it happen. 
And I want to see his part, of the com- his part of the covenant come to pass fully in my life. The fullness of it, not a partial, not a half, not a quarter. I want the fullness of his covenant towards me to come to pass. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.